begin, we like to say welcome to everyone. We're so glad you're here this morning. And we want to say a big, major welcome to our newest member here for the first time. Joanna Taylor is here for the first time back there with her mom. Yes. She reacts to my preaching a lot like you. She's already asleep. So... Amen. Praise God. We're excited for Josh and Taryn on their first child. We're so thankful for for the health of her this morning. Amen. If you have a Bible or you have a phone or you have neither and you would like to follow along, Revelation chapter 3, and I apologize, whoever's back there on the screen, I'm going to read out of the New Living Testament. So I don't think we have that, so you can... Put the King James up there if you'd like, or we could just keep it blank. I think for clarity's sake, I'd like to read it out of the New Living Testament. Revelation chapter 3, verse number 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Sardis. This is the message from the one who is sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. You have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Now wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is at the point of death. Your deeds are far from from right in sight of God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly and turn to me again. Unless you do, I will come upon you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. I want to focus on that middle part that we read. I know all things you do. And that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Now wake up. Strengthen what little remains. For even what is left is at the point of death. I want to preach to you for a few moments on a dead life. A dead life. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated in Jesus' name. If you've never heard of the city as described here in the third chapter of Revelation... It was the city of Sardis. Sardis was the capital of the ancient kingdom of Lydia. It was by far an extremely wealthy city uh, of its day, and it had great rulers and great philosophers, great poets, and great wealth. And by the time this had reached them, in fact, uh, Sardis was... was, uh, the birthplace of modern money. It was the uh, city that introduced the idea of coinage, of creating a coin as a monetary exchange. And so our modern, uh, modern money can ha- has its traces, not all the way, but has a root in the traces all the way back to this city of Sardis. So it was a very wealthy city. But by the time we see this message being written in the book of Revelation by the uh, Apostle John through the uh, unction of the Spirit of God as he wrote to Sardis, by that time Sardis had experienced many ups and downs. Their great wealth and their great city had been attacked and had been uh, pillaged and had been torn down and rebuilt on several occasions. And so they were in this cycle again where... They had experienced a time of great wealth, of great prosperity, but that great wealth and that great prosperity had led to a sort of complacency that had rested in the city. And John is writing not to the city or to the leaders of the city because that wasn't his concern, but he was writing to the leaders of the church and the church itself in Sardis because the church had taken on the spirit of the city. This is not the message for today, but it's never been the intention of God for the church to take on the traits of the world. It's always that the church influences the world, not that the world influences the church. Not that the church is better than anything, but our but we as a church are not governed by this world even though we are in this world because we believe that God is the ultimate authority in our lives. And so, as we have seen over the last number of years, that the world has begun to have a greater influence on the church 
And really it should be, other, be, be the other way around. And so we find that in this city, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm a little slow right now because I, I need to, you to understand where we're coming from and why Paul wrote, or saw, John wrote what he wrote. And we find that Sardis was, the church in Sardis was taking on sort of the same uh, kind of ideas of the, the, the city and they'd become very apathetic. And, and even though that at one point had to be a church that was very much alive, a church that was very much uh, uh, had life to it and the Spirit of God was moving into it because he said you have a reputation for being alive, meaning that word had gotten around that if you really want to go to a good church, go to Sardis. They have a great church. That's a great church. Boy, they, they know how to worship God and, and, and they know how to touch God and they know how to pray and they have a great preacher there who knows how to preach with great, great unction. And so go to Sardis. But Paul was telling them, listen, you still do what you used to do, but you've lost the reason why you do it. So even though you have a reputation for being alive, you're actually dead. Your church may be called an apostolic church or whatever you want to call it, but you're really a church of apathy. You've lost the meaning of why you're there, and so you have a reputation for being alive, but really you're a church that's dying. He said, you need to wake up. There's only a little bit left, and you need to strengthen what's left, because what's left is even beginning to die. And so we find this, and and I want to take that sort of context and look at the idea of a dead life. The, de- the word dead life really in some ways seems like an oxymoron. Dead life, dead life. The word oxymoron comes from two Greek words. Oxy mean, meaning sharp, moron meaning dull. It's a contrast. We all say these oxymorons throughout our life. We've got oxymorons that we use in our vocabulary. I mean, think about this. Here's one from the world of politics. Government organization. From the world of entertainment, taped live. I'll wait for a second. Some of you got to get that way. How about this? The world of fashion, tight slacks. How about this? From the IRS, tax return. (laughs) Or how about this? From the world of wrestling, a head butt. (laughs) Or jumbo shrimp. Or maybe you drink from a plastic glass. Or I love this one because I say this a lot. That's pretty ugly. Pretty ugly. And so when you first look at the word dead life, you kind of think it doesn't fit. But really, when you see this, a person, first of all, a person that has never experienced biblical salvation, the Bible says that they're actually dead while they're living. Their body is alive, their mind is alive, their heart is alive, they're pumping blood, but the Bible says when, until you've experienced biblical salvation, your spirit is dead. Because the Bible says that when we are buried with Christ in baptism... We are alive in Him through the infilling of His Spirit. If we don't have to be resurrected, that means we're not dead. If we're dead, that means we need to be resurrected. But when you come to God, you are dead. You're living. You've got thoughts. You've got visions. You've got a heart. You've got all that. You've got what we consider in this world to be life. But spiritually, you are dead. Because the Bible says, without the Spirit of God, your spirit is dead. And so we find that this sort of idea of dead life, and even to a degree we use in our own vocabulary sort of the same terminology to kind of describe things. For instance, I'll give you several. And I'm not here today to talk about this. This is not a message on oxymorons, okay? But we, we use the terms in our life, dead water to mean something that is stagnant. A dead town, meaning one that's void of activity. A dead party means one that is lacking excitement. A dead moaner, meaning something that's broken down. A dead volcano means something that's dormant. A dead language, meaning that's something that's no longer relevant. Dead soil, meaning something that can no longer sustain life. A dead wire, one that is disconnected from the source. If you're dead tired, that means you're exhausted. If you're dead inside, that means you're just numb. 
And all of these phrases could easily apply to a person who is attempting to live in this world without a relationship with God. If you're trying to live void of a true relationship with God, you are living a dead life. Without a true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, not a relationship with a church, not a few hallelujahs and, a th- and three amens, not when you pray over your food before you eat it, but without a true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ on a daily basis, not on a Sunday between 10 and 12, but on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, on Sunday, in January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Without that, you have no true life. You're living, but you're really dead. I know today that may seem like it doesn't really sound right, but he's Paul or John addresses the church in Sardis. He said, you have a reputation for being alive, but really you're dead. You have a reputation for being alive today, but you're really dead. So for just a moment today, I want to... You and I to team together. We're going to work together today. You and I are going to work together. And we're going to do an autopsy on your life. We're going to do a spiritual autopsy on your life to determine, is there anything in your life that's dead that God needs to bring to life again? Now, in order to do this autopsy with me, you're going to have to be a little honest with yourself. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to write down your answer on a piece of paper. I'm not going to ask you to stand in the middle of the class and tell us what you feel. This is between you and God. But this is an autopsy. Because the first thing we have to understand to have a dead life is the first place death starts is death is in sin. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse number 1, And you hath he quickened who was dead in trespass in sin. If my life is living in sin, then I am truly dead. You say, well, who defines sin? I don't define sin. You don't define sin. There's only one definition of sin, and that comes from that book. When it comes to what that book says in sin, there is no argument, there is no opinion. Well, I don't really feel like that's wrong. Oh, no, what does the Bible say? Well, I don't really feel like that's a big deal, preacher. No, what does the Bible say? Because here's the point. Do you want to stake your... You've got to ask yourself this question, and, and this is, I'm going to stop for a moment, take a pause, and stay right here. Everything we do, you've got to take and weigh on the scale to determine, is what I'm doing worth risking my eternal salvation? Everything. If it's just our opinion going back and forth and you and I want to sit here today and we want to argue back and forth and I say, well, you know what? I believe we can do this. And you go, well, I don't believe we can do that. But I believe this and this. That's where our opinions. And really, ultimately, it's our opinions. It's a tweet. It's a Facebook post. It's an opinion. It's not fact. But for you today, ultimately when you stand before God, you're going to have to give an account for your life, not for your opinion. He's going to ask you, give me an account for your life. He's not going to say to you, so give me your opinion, what you feel. So what does that mean for you and I today? That means everything that I do, I have to weigh on the scale. Is this worth my salvation? When you put your actions on the scale of salvation, all of a sudden, the scale seems really important. When you put actions on the scale of opinion, eh, not that big of a deal. But when action, so you know what? If I said to you today, well, it's my opinion that this is wrong, you say, well, that's okay, that's your opinion. But if I ask you today, when you, whatever you do in your life, and I'm not being specific because I'm not going down those roads. That's between you and God. But everything you do in your life, every action, every thought, every deed that you justify in your justification, ask yourself this question. Is this worth my salvation? Is this worth my eternal salvation? Because you know what? If that's the case, I'd rather be the term safe than sorry. 
You know what? Hey, look, no big deal. I can stand here all day. This is no big deal. Because you know what? If I fall, it's three feet. I'm already half that size anyways. So it's not that far. So if I fall, not big of a deal. So I can play all I want. Because there's no real threat of anything. So I can get out here and I can dance and, oh, what's the big deal? Come on. You're saying, back away from there, man. You don't want to hurt yourself. Why? Come on. It's no big deal. You're saying, look, you could fall off. And you know what my opinion is? Okay. So I fall. Oh, I fell. So I'll just get back up and try it again. And you know what? With no danger, there's just no reason to even care that I'm living right here on this edge. But in December... We took our daughters to New York and had the opportunity to go up inside of One World Trade Center, the new one, all the way to the top, complete glass at the top. And you know what? You remove that glass, all of a sudden that don't seem too good right there. I remember when I was, uh, I was 19 or so, 18, 19, we went on a trip to Norway. There's this thing in Norway called Pulpit Rock. You've got to look it up. It's this, we don't have anything like this in America. It's jaw, it's, when I say it's jaw-dropping, I mean it is like jaw-dropping. It's called Pulpit Rock for a reason because literally it looks like this. Hold this because I don't want to damage either one of them. It's this giant cliff face. When I say giant cliff face, I'm not talking about 100 feet, a couple hundred feet. I'm talking about several thousand feet high. And there's this rock that sticks out like this, cut on both sides, and it's flat on top. It's not angled down, but it's flat. And literally, when I say, hey, from here to there is like over 2,000 feet. And what makes it even worse, it hangs out, and there's a giant crack like three feet long right here where it's hanging off. And so, I, I'm not terribly scared of heights, I, I, but, but I'm not exactly the, the bravest fellow in the world. But I wanted to see what it was like to look over the edge. Now, my brother and my father, was, no, my, 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 father, my, brother, my, my, my father was with me. He didn't want to go anywhere near that nonsense. He's like, I mean, that's the cliff face. He's already back here. He said, this is good. I'm good right here. So I decided I want to look over this edge. I want to see what it's like. And I had a camera. I'm like, I want to take this picture. Not that you can really tell the scale from my picture. So this is not a joke. I started from like way back here. I got down on my knees. I mean, there's like hundreds of people around. I didn't even care. And I got here and I started crawling. And by the time I got to there, I'm not joking. I was about this far away. I laid flat on my belly and started doing the army crawl. And I got to about right here on the edge, and I was army crawling, and I got about, got about right here, and I got enough to just, oh, dear Jesus. And I backed up, and that was good enough for me, and I climbed up. Why? Because I understood the danger of that edge. This edge, I'm not worried about this edge. There's not probably a person in this room that would stand there and go, oh, oh, it's so high. But that edge had major consequences to it. So when we talk about sin, we're not talking about this edge. We're talking about an edge that has major consequences to it. So when you do stuff in your life, you've got to determine, am I going to base my, my existence off trying to figure out how I can balance on the edge between what God wants me to do and what I want to do and let's see if God will help me keep my balance or am I going to live my life well that's kind of a boring life preacher why do you want to live that because you know what I understand the threat of the edge so everything I'm going to do I'm going to base it off how close am I willing to risk myself to the edge because you know what? There are plenty of people that have been in churches that thought they could figure out the balance. You don't know what you're talking about, preacher. I can figure this out. I'm good. I can do this all day. And one little wind comes and blows them. You guys ever heard of that guy named Nick Walinga? You heard of that guy? The tightrope guy that like walked across the Grand Canyon? 
He's done all this crazy stuff. He's had these TV specials, and he's on YouTube. And, I mean, he, Nick Walinga, he does like, he doesn't walk like tightrope. He walks stuff that shouldn't even be. I thought it was hilarious. If you go back and you watch the one from the Grand Canyon, the whole time he's walking across, he's praying. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, help me. Help me. I'm like, stop praying. Get off the rope. But you know what's scary? You go back and you know a little bit about him. It was his grandfather was doing a stunt across two large hotels. And the rope wasn't fastened enough. And it was a wind. And they said, don't go out there. Don't do it. And he kind of had the old school entertainment. You know, the show must go on. And he goes out there and he gets to the middle. And that wind starts shaking. And next thing you know, his grandfather died. You know what? We can warn you and say, look, this is what's going to be. But ultimately, you've got to make a decision. You know what? It's a free world. If you want to live that dead life hanging like this, I can tell you the consequences, but I can't stop you from your actions. So the first sign of a dead life is one that's dead in sin. The second sign of a dead life is one that's dead in pleasure. First Timothy 5, 6 says, but ye liveth in pleasure but ye that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. If, I don't want to get onto this, and I'm not here today to get on a soapbox, but we have never been more inundated by pleasure ever. Anything you want is available at your fingertips. Anything that's your vice is available with ease. And we have people that are consumed by pleasure. We have people that are consumed by that. So you have dead in sin, dead in pleasure. The third one, which may not apply to someone here that's new for the first time, but it may apply to some of you that come here every week. You're dead in legalism. Because the Bible says that we are delivered from, from the law, that being dead wherein we should be held. That it means this, if I'm doing what I'm doing because that's what I'm supposed to do without the context of a relationship with Jesus and I'm just following the rules, then I'm truly dead. If I, my answer is, why do you do what you do? If someone says, why do you do what you do? And your answer is, because that's what my church teaches. You just let them know, I'm dead. I know that sounds harsh, but that's the truth. If someone says, why do you do what you do? Why do you go to church? Why, why do you go to church? Why do you act like you do? Well, that's what my church believes. You just said everybody that you're dead. Why? Because you're following a set of guidelines and rules that aren't your own. Someone asked me, what do I do? Why I do what I do? My response is, well, I do what I do because I'm a preacher and that's what I'm supposed to do. No, if they ask me what I do, why I do what I do, I say, you know what? Because I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not better than anybody. I don't try to act better, but I love him with everything in me. And there's certain things that I don't do or that I do because I want to preserve that relationship. Just like there are certain things I do in my marriage with my wife that I, I, don't, I don't walk around going to everybody, well, I'm better than you. He's a single guy. I don't say, well, I'm better than you because I don't ever talk to girls. I don't ever, I don't even talk to girls anymore. I'm better than you. I don't do that. Why? Because I have a relationship with my wife. And so because of that relationship, there's context of things I do and don't do that he as a single guy, he does. All the time. Oh, Jesus, help us. <laughs> oh, Let's pause for this station break. And so the context of my relationship gives me context for what I do, what I do. I wear this ring on my finger. If I need a ring to remind me I'm married, I'm way past the point of no return. I don't wear this ring to remind me I'm married. I wear this ring so I can show you that I'm married. So when I walk around and you see me and you see that ring, you know he belongs to somebody. You don't, I don't need this ring to touch and go, am I married? Oh, i got to remember. Am I married? Oh, oh, I'm, oh that's it. Oh, I, I'm married. I have this ring. What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? <laughs> oh, I can't remember her name today. What's that? I need to put it on my ring so I remember. I don't need that to remember. God help us. If I need this to remember I'm married, I'm in trouble. With God, myself, and especially with the woman I'm supposed to be married to. 
I don't need this to tell me I'm married. I want you to know. So I do things in my life not so that I can remember. I want you to know that I am belong to Jesus Christ. So dead in sin, dead in pleasure, dead in legalism. I'm, ho- I'm hurrying. Dead to hope. The Bible says Ecclesiastes 9.4 For to him that is joined to all living things there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. You know what that means? It's better to have a little bit of God than a whole lot of life. That's basically what it's meaning. It's better to have a little bit of Jesus than everything that this world can give you. Because everything this world can give you is basically death. But a little bit of life in Jesus Christ is better than a whole lot of death. And the hope that comes in that. So dead in sin, dead in pleasure, dead in legalism, dead in hope. Here's a good one. We talked about it earlier this morning. You can be dead to worship. Psalms 115 says, the dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go silence. You know what? You can tell my, my father, who's the founder of this church, said for years, he even, he preached about it, wrote it, about it in a book. He, he made this statement. You can tell a whole lot about a person by watching them worship. Not that you can't fake it. We all can fake it. But you can watch someone consistently come to church and you can watch them worship and you can begin to tell a lot about somebody watching them worship. You say, well, I'm not that type of person. I, it's not no, no, no. The Bible doesn't exclude personalities. It just says, if you're alive, you're going to praise him. If you're dead, there is no praise. So based off your reaction to him, it's going to determine the life that's in you. Mm, hallelujah. That's another message for another day we could preach on. And finally this. I love this one. This is my favorite one. So we have dead in sin, dead in, dead in pleasure, dead in legalism, dead to hope, dead to worship, and finally dead to action. James says this. Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith, in, have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? That kind of faith can't save anyone. Suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing. You say, well, goodbye and God bless you. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give them, you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, it isn't enough to just have faith. Faith doesn't show itself by good deeds. It's not faith at all. It is dead and useless. There's so many today that talk the talk but cannot walk the walk. And God, really, he cares not just about what you say. He cares about what you do. You've heard me do this before, but apologize for using it again. Right here you come. Ronnie, you come help me. I, I, I'm wearing poor Dylan out here. He's going to stop sitting on the front row if I keep doing this. You've heard me do this before, but it's the best illustration I can come up with. This is what this means. Dead. Faith without works is dead. Or we say... Actions speak louder than words. I'm going to give you a perfect illustration. Here's a good man right here. I like him a lot. And if I come up to him and say, hey, Ronnie, you know what? I love you. And I go. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. But I said I loved him. I mean, I could really get it going here. If I was good enough, I could just start to weep. Oh, man, I love you so much, man. I love you, bro. I love you. I love you. And I could really mean it, but just haul off and give him a good one. What do you think he's going to believe more? What I said or what I did? You say, wait a minute. I'm believing. I'm saying to God I want him. I'm saying to God he means more than me. To more, he means more than anything in this world. I'm saying to God that I want him in my life. Okay, you're saying it, but what are you doing about it? Oh, I just, I just, I, I, I could feel that one right there. Woo! Ooh, you know a pressure point it just hits and people react. You just happen. I just felt that right there. Ooh, Jesus, help us today. There's a lot of you that are coming and you're saying the right things. Oh, I love God, preacher. I want to give myself to God. I want Him to be the number one in my life. Oh, I love Him. But your actions don't say that. Your actions don't prove that. And you can come to an altar. You can stand in your seat and say, oh, God, I love you. Oh, Lord, you mean so much to me. Oh, yes, yes. 
Here, I'll use you, cute this time. Come here. You're going to play God. Okay. Such a good God. Good looking God. You know, it's sort of like this. Here's God, right? And I come to church, and I'm here today. I'm here, right? And I want to come down, and I'm, gonna, I'm just, me and God are best buddies today. Oh, God. Oh, I just love you so much. I just, I love being with you. I want you in my life all the time. Don't ever leave me. Okay, God. Oh, oh, it's, he said it's time to go. Preacher said, okay, God, I'll see you. Hold on. No, God, you stay right there. I'm good. I'm good. All right. See you next week. Oh, it's Sunday morning. God's here. Woo! Yes. <laughs> hey, God, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Oh, man, I love you so much. Boy, you mean so much to me. I want to worship you. And I mean, I missed you so much this week, God. Boy, I love you. Oh, I cannot breathe or live without you. I want to just be with you all the time. Oh, oh, sorry, I got to go. See you next week. Sorry. Got to go, got to go, got to go. You're laughing, but it's so true. You're laughing, but it's true. There's God standing there like the bride at the altar and waiting for the groom. Whoa, he didn't show up today. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. God, but listen, man, I'm telling you. God, I'm telling you. I, oh, I love you so much. I'm telling you. Please, you got anything for me today? You got anything you could help me with? You got, look, I got this. Look, I, I got a cut there. Can you heal that? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm, 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 I'm walking with a limp today. Can you, can you heal me? Oh, yo, oh, please, God, heal me. Oh, that feels good. Thank you. I got to go. Oh, I came in limping, but I'm walking out running. See you next week. That felt good. Oh, God, you know, you come in and you feel good, right? Nope, you got no pain in your body. You feel good. You've got nothing. Everything's good. You and your husband are getting along. You and your wife getting along. Kids are great. Got A's in school. Your boss thinks you're the best employee in the world. You come into church. It's good. Oh, there's God. He's a good, that's a good guy up there. You're like, he loves, boy, it's awesome. That's a really good guy. Boy, this is great. I, I feel good there, you know. Good to see you, God. Hey, good to see you up there. Great, great. Good to see you. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Good. But then you come in, right? You had a bad week. Come in. Oh, God, hey. God, hey, hey, I'm here. Oh, please help me. Oh, please help me. It was a bad week. God, help me. Oh, God, you got to help me. Oh, God, you know, if you really love me, God, you would touch me today because I'm really hurting. Please help me to God. Please, 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 please. And you know what? He's so loving. God, he's, the Bible says he's so patient and kind. You know what he does? He touches you. He says, okay, I'll help you. Boy, I feel good today. My leg feels good. Boy, I got it back then. God, thank you. Boy, I feel good. See you next week. Woo-hoo! And that's our entire reaction and relationship with God. And you wonder why. Thank you, God. I appreciate you. You can sit down. <laughs> and you really want to know what God thinks. That's how we react to him. So what do you think? When it all comes down to it, he's going to believe more what you say or what you do. You say, God, today, I want you to touch my life. I want you to turn my life around. God, I want you in my life. And you can mean every bit of it. But if there's nothing and action in your life to back that up, the Bible says that's, 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 that's death. There's no faith in there. That's death. Because true faith comes when you have action and you mix it with faith. When I say I need him and I come here and I tell him, God, I need you. And when it's time to go, I say, God, you're not staying here. You better go with me because we're going together. You're not leaving me, God. I can't make it without you. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, I, can't, I, can't even, I can't even stand it. I got to get so close to you that you're never far away from me. Whoa, 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 God. You're getting a little too far away from me. I got to get close to you. That's what it's really all about. It's not just what I'm saying today, folks, that matters. It's really about what are you going to do about it with the actions. We can talk about it today. We can say it. We can come up with the perfect words. You can find the perfect card to tell you. You're, you're, you can go today and you can go to the store and you can find a gift. You can find these beautiful cards that tell your, your, your significant other, oh, roses are red and violets are blue. I couldn't make it without you. All this wonderful stuff. And you can script it and they can all that. And you can hand the card to them. But if that person opening that card reads it and your actions don't match up with that, you win nothing in the brownie point category. If you're a husband today and you give your wife roses because it's Valentine's Day, but the other 364 days of the year you don't even realize she exists, those roses 
are just going to be roses. They don't represent anything because there's no action there. So, there's death in that. So finally, I close with this. So if we understand and we realize there's something in our life that's dead and we need life, then what do we need to do? The first of all, the Bible says, we've got to wake up. He said to the church in Sardis, first thing you've got to do, wake up. You've got to acknowledge that you were asleep. You've got to wake up and find out, realize I was dead. I need something in my life to be alive. And then he said, the first thing is you've got to wake up. The second thing you've got to do is... You've got to strengthen what's remaining. Meaning, there's some of you that you look alive, but there's really death at work in you. And that, that little bit of life that's in there is shrinking smaller and smaller by day. And he said, what's, what's left? Strengthen what remains. If there's a drop of faith in you today, if there's a drop of hope left in you, strengthen that today. Don't leave out of here today without your faith and your hope and your love for him being strengthened. The final thing that has to happen is that true repentance. And what is repentance? Biblical repentance. Well, there's several things that you can say about repentance and they are true. Repentance is to acknowledge that I need to change. Yes, that is repentance. The second part of repentance is literally the word repentance talks about to turn direction, meaning literally to pivot 180 degrees, meaning that's my life, I'm living it this way, but I'm acknowledging this way is an error, so I'm repenting. But the other part about repentance that often goes overlooked is repentance is an acknowledgement that I need to change. Repentance is a changing of direction. But the biggest part about repentance is a changing of your mind. Not God changing your mind, but you choosing that the way I'm thinking is wrong. And what I'm thinking about and what I'm allowing to dominate my life is wrong. And I want to change that. I want to repent. I want to change that. I want that to happen in my life. What's the purpose of that today? The purpose of that today is so that I can truly have life. It's so that I can have life. God help us today. Can I be honest with you? If church is supposed to be dead, I don't want to go to church. If having a relationship with God is boring and dead, you can take it. I'll I'll give you the microphone. You come up here next week. I'm not even coming. I don't want that. Because this book promises something so much greater. He said, I haven't come to give you life. I've come to give you life more abundantly. I haven't come just to make you feel good, but I've come that I can actually change the fabric of who you are. And today, I can't diagnose the autopsy of your life. Sorry. I can't diagnose the autopsy of your life. But maybe somewhere along the way here today, the Spirit of the Lord has spoken and there's something in there that pinged and pricked in your heart that you acknowledge there's something in my life that I've allowed to die. Maybe I've allowed myself to be consumed by sin. Maybe I've, maybe I've allowed myself to get a little too close to the edge of life and I need to wake up and realize, you know what you do to your kid? If your kid gets too, you, every parent in here, you've done it. If your child gets too close to danger, you know what you do to him? You don't go, now listen, I got a little four-year-old son. His name is Noah. He's a little adventurous, just slightly. And you know what I say to Noah? If Noah's on the edge about to fall, he had this deal the other day. I don't know what gets a hold of him sometimes. I sometimes just want to say literally, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, <laughs> just, I just start invoking this and I'm just starting to pray. Something's got to... He says, hey, Dad, Mom, watch this. We're like, hold on, Noah. No, 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 you got to watch this. No, no, we, we let it, we're, almost, we go, we're busy, we're trying to get dressed. Mom, Dad, watch this. Okay, fine, Noah, what do you want? He climbs to the fifth stair and he goes, guys, watch what I'm like, No! 
like, but why? I, but no! And the worst part about it is the stair he was jumping on is one, two, three, four, five landing wall. And there's only like that far between the landing and the wall. And I literally, in my mind, I already saw a vision from God. He's jumping, trips, falls, smack right there, hits a stud, knocks himself out. My wife, oh, my baby! I'm mother going, oh my God, he's bleeding. We got to take him there. He's a, I already saw that in the Holy Ghost. I said, Noah! No! And so he's up there on the fifth step. I said, no, don't do that. He went, he climbed down to the first step and went. It's like, fine, I'll give you that. Get the jump out of you then, if that's what it takes. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't say, now, buddy, you know, mommy and daddy love you so much. And I'm just going to ask you, please don't jump off the stair. Now, you don't want to hurt yourself. Because he was, I mean, he was ready. I mean, he was, he was locked and loaded. He was going. He was started the swing. And I said, no! Don't do that. You know what I'm trying to tell somebody today? You're saying, look, it's no big deal. I can do it. I can make it. I'm telling you today, no. I already see what's going to happen. You say, are you better than me, preacher? No, I already know where this story ends. I've seen it in this way before. No. Don't do it. Wake up. Realize that there's some things in your life that need to be changed because if you continue down this road, there's an end that's there. And maybe the day you don't even know what to do. Maybe you acknowledge the day that there's stuff in there and maybe you don't even know how to phrase it. But maybe you can just say today, Jesus, I need your help. God, I acknowledge there's some things in me today that, that are wrong or that need some changing. Or God, I acknowledge there's some things in me that have, that have allowed to die. And God, I don't even know how to ask you to do this, but I'm asking you to help me today. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to leave you here when I go. I, I don't want to leave you here at the altar. I, don't want to just, I just want to tell you today I need you and I love you and I can't make it without you and then leave without you. But God, I'm going to get, I'm going to get wrapped up in you today. I'm going to get so wrapped up in you today that if you, if, you go, if you go left, go left. I'm going with you. If you go forward, I'm going forward. I'm wrapped up in you. I don't want to just have a, a touch of you where I lose you. But I want, to get, I want to just get wrapped up in you. I want to hold you. I want to get tight with you. That way you and me, we're together. That's what I'm asking you today. Don't have an experience with God where you just touch him. Oh, that felt good. I touched him. That's great. But you know what? If I just touch him from here, if he goes somewhere, guess what? Walk away. Oh, God, wait. But you know what? I want to get locked up in him. Me and him. This is called relationship. Everywhere he goes, guess what? I don't even have to be praying. I can just feel him move and I just go with him. Where he leads me, I will follow where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. I'm just asking somebody today, would you just get wrapped up in Jesus? Would you just let him get a hold of your life and just get wrapped up in him? That you and him become intertwined and that his life becomes your life. And that that death that's in you, that stuff that's working in you, that's causing you, would do it. Would you just take a moment right where you are, just bow your heads and close your eyes. Would you do that right now? Just talk to him. Maybe you don't know what to say, but maybe you could simply say this, Jesus, I need you. I need you today. 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 Oh, I don't want to leave here today and leave you standing there without me. I don't want to leave here today and get home and realize, oh, wait a minute, where's Jesus? I left him there. But God, I want to get wrapped up in you. 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 I want to get wrapped up in you.
I want to get wrapped up in you today. I want to get locked up in you and intertwined in you. I want you a part of my life. I want that breath of your life, of your spirit to breathe on me today and bring life where there is death so that I can feel life and hope. And I can leave here knowing that you're with me. I read this this week and, and I thought such a powerful vision. We often think of ourselves as God, I want to wrap myself with you. I want to wrap myself with you. But really, that's not the way it should be. Because if I wrap myself with him, guess what? He's on the outside. Guess who's the sinner? Me. I want to wrap myself with God. But God's the outside. I'm the sinner. You know what God wants to do? God wants to wrap himself with you. He wants you to wrap him. Why? Because he wants to be the sinner. And he wants you to be the outside. God literally wants to take you today and just wrap himself with you. He wants to put you on. I know that sounds weird and crazy in a, in, a, in, a, in a way, God wrapping himself with you. But why is that important? Because God wants to be in the middle. God wants to be in the middle. I don't want to be in the middle. I don't want to be the sinner. I'm just a flawed man with no, no hope. I want the one who is the Savior, the King, the Lord, the the giver of life, I want him to be in the middle. I want him to just say, okay, Joel, come over here. I just want to put you on today. I want to get him in the middle. Him in the middle. I hesitate to do this because I always feel like it puts, puts a little bit of a, a struggle, but I feel like to do it today, and this is just, it's not what we normally do, but I feel to do it today. We just talked about it. We read it in James that faith without works is dead. Or we say in our, in our vocabulary, actions Speak louder than words. And you could sit where you are today and you could pray and God could touch you where you are. But today, it's, we're going to put our action to where our faith says. And we're saying today, God, I need you in my life. I need you more than ever. And you could sit there and say that and mean it. But I wonder if today you're willing to put action with those words and say, God, I just want, don't want to tell you I need you, but I want to show you I need you. Would you stand with me today? If that's, your, if that's your prayer today, if that's your desire, say, God, I, I acknowledge that you touched me today. I acknowledge that you talked to me. And I, and I want you in my life. I want you to change some things. I'm asking you as your action, would you get out of your seat? You come down here. You say, well, I'm, I'm not, am I joining a church? No, 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 no. There's no church joining going on today. This is you and Jesus. This is your action matching up with your faith. You're telling me today, God, I want you. Now show me some action. Just show God, not me. I don't need you to prove anything, but how about action? How about to God say, God, here's what I am. I, I'm asking you to come and pray and, and join a church, but I want you to show God, God, I want you. Would you just lift your hands down here? Come on, just talk, just talk to him. You don't need to know what, you don't have to have special words to pray, but can you just talk to him and say, God, I need you. I don't want to leave you here today. I don't want to leave here today. When I leave here today, I don't want you to be here. But I want to take you with me. Oh, come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Come on, get wrapped up in Him today. Get wrapped up in Him today. Get wrapped up in Him. It doesn't have to be a big emotional thing. You don't have to weep and cry and fall down. It's just got to be something inside of you that says, God... I need you today. I need you today. I need you today. That's it. All over this place. Even if you're not down front and you're still standing, would you just close your eyes and talk to Him right now? Can you talk to God and say, God, I need you today. I need you today. I need you in my life today. Oh, we need you, Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. I pray today, God, Every heart and every life in this place. I lose life. I lose life. I lose life. I lose life. Let there be life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let there be life. Let there be life. Let there be life. Let there be life. God, we don't want to leave here without you. But where you go, God, that's where we want to go. We want to get wrapped up in you. We want to get tied up in you. Oh, Jesus, help us today. Help us today. Come on, that's it. Just, just for a moment, you and Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
it all down. Oh, yes. Mm. To, to hear you say that I'm your friend. Oh, let this be your prayer today. You are my desire. Oh, nothing say, nothing else will do. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, to feel the warmth of your embrace. Oh, the warmth of your embrace. Oh, oh. Bring me back. Come on, let's sing this as a prayer today. Oh, 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 you're all I want. Come on, sing it to him right now. Sing it to Jesus. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Oh, help me. Mm. Help me know you are I want oh, 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 you're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know, say, help me know you are needed. Come on, let's sing it to him one more time. Oh, 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 oh you're all. want Jesus oh you're all I've ever needed you're all help me know help me know help me know you are near can we just lift our hands one more time and just love him and thank him right now let's just thank him right now hallelujah Come on, tell them that one more time. Would you just tell them that? God, you are all I want. You are all I have ever needed. You're all I want. Help me today. Help me today. Help me today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's clap our hands and give the Lord thanks. Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. Make sure you greet somebody. We're so happy if you're a guest, you were with us today. Make sure you greet someone before you leave. God bless you. We will see you back again tonight for those of you that are able to return at 6 p.m. this evening. Back here, same, same place. Amen. God bless you.